So in 1790, George Washington gave the, our first president, gave the first State of the Union address. And if you notice, the title of my sermon is The State of the Church. And so this idea kind of just popped in my head on Wednesday of this week. I was going to preach on something completely different. But this popped into my head. And so the state of the church, and it can be pretty easy to look around in our slice of the world and become disheartened when we think about the state of the church. Here's something from the Pew Research Center. They did a study in 2020 of the of people in America. About 64% of Americans call themselves Christian today. That might sound like a lot, right? 64% of Americans say they're Christian. But 50 years ago, that number was 90%. That's how far down it's gone in 50 years. How many people in America say that they're Christian? Now, mind you, this is just people that say they're Christian. This isn't practicing Christian. So what's happened in this country, in this world? Well, the answer is there's been compromises made to God's word. And we continue to see it happen week after week. You just got to watch the news. More and more things that the Bible calls sin are acceptable and we keep going down this slippery slope. You know, it's the same. We can go back to the Garden of Eden, by the way, where the very first sin was committed. Satan tempted Adam and Eve with the words, did God really say? Well, guess what? Satan really hasn't changed his game plan. He still says the same exact thing to each and every one of you and to me and to all Christians especially. You see, he wants that number to continually go down. Did God really say that you have to go to church if you say you're a Christian? Or do you just go when it's convenient for you? Did God really say to not make fun of people? Isn't it okay to joke around and make fun of, of people once in a while? Did God really say you shouldn't go to that website that's adults only? Just the once in a while is okay, right? Did God really say we shouldn't ever lie? I mean, what about those white lies, right? Those little white lies. Isn't it okay then? Is what Satan wants you to think about. Did God really say it's not okay to gossip once in a while? Especially if you're just listening to it. Isn't that okay? You see, it's the same game plan. He wants us to doubt God's word. And he's doing a pretty good job, by the way. So I have a couple questions here I wanted to, to go through when we're thinking about the state of the church. The first one, what is the church? 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. And if you remember from last week, 
I read this verse then too. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And to put it bluntly, the church is you. It's not a building. It's you and I and all Christians in this world. We are the church. If you look at specifically what Peter says there, you are a chosen race. So just like the Israelites were God's chosen people when we look at the Old Testament, we Christians around the world are the chosen race. By the way, it doesn't matter what race you are. We're all the same race, the Christian race. We are the new Israel, chosen by God. You are the royal priesthood. This is what I told you last week. You are all priests and priestesses. Don't try to say that really fast, by the way. You are all priests and priestesses. It says it right here. You can go out and proclaim the excellencies of Jesus to everybody. You are a holy nation. We are all holy already. I know, I don't know about you, but I don't feel holy sometimes. But we have been set apart by God to do his will. That's what holy is. We've been set apart. And we are a people for his own possession. Simply, we are God's children. So why does the church exist? Well, to answer this question, we can look at the words of Jesus. And Megan just read them to the kids a little bit ago. The Great Commission, go therefore, baptizing all nations and teaching them to observe what I have told you. And Luke 24, 47 talks about the repentance and forgiveness of sins. So if you look at those two verses, those two passages, Matthew 28 and Luke 24, Promise Lutheran Church exists to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Period. And Jesus has given us the tools to make disciples. Baptism. Big one, baptize everyone in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. We are to teach his word, preach his word. And we proclaim the forgiveness of sins. We have, he gave us communion where we receive the forgiveness of sins. That's why we come to church. He's given us all the tools. This is the job of the church. Proclaim the gospel, offer the forgiveness of sins. Where does promise fit into the church? So I've been talking about this church. It's a big C, think of it that way. It's the Christian church on earth. So where do we fit in here at promise? We are part of the church. Why? Because we believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Amen? I hope you said amen. 
Again, to put it bluntly, Promise Lutheran Church exists to proclaim the gospel and weave the crimson thread through everything we do here. No matter what we do here. I promise. So what is the state of the church here? In our little neck of the woods here, promise. In the years 2022 and 2023, we baptized 38 people and added 98 new members. Our average Sunday attendance has risen from 260 at the beginning of 2022 to 340 now. So that's a 30% increase in 13 months. Our children's ministry is growing under Megan's leadership. The children are learning about Jesus. We can see that every time they answer the questions over there. They know the answers. Because they're learning and they're growing in their faith. If you remember back in August when we did that backpack blessing and we had all the kids come up here, between the two services we had almost 100 kids between three years old and eighth grade standing up here. This is the future of the church. These children. Our youth ministry under Hannah's leadership is growing. Not only in numbers, but they are growing in their faith as well as they learn about God's word. We have women's groups. We have a men's group. We do these fifth Sunday events where we come together. We have Bible studies and we have missions. We support missions here in Fort Wayne. We are supporting missions across the world. In Thailand and in Kenya. So some people have asked me and it's come up in some meetings. What do we make of all this? And why are there more people coming? And wanting to be involved in all this stuff that we're doing here. You ever wonder that? The answer, the answer is very simple. We are focusing on the Word. The Word produces. By focusing on His Word, we realize that we can't save ourselves. We need a Savior which is exactly what our Heavenly Father provided for us. Because when we look at the Ten Commandments, when we look at these things, we realize that we fall short, right? And we need a Savior. And you know what? All those stats that I just talked about, none of those matter if we are not focusing on the Word. So we, have promise, are proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, the gospel is contagious. It's energizing. It's life. It's powerful. It's everything. And the Holy Spirit is using you all to proclaim the gospel to your friends, your family, and people in your path. And you know what? This is the best evangelism program is you guys going out and just inviting your friends and whoever to just come check us out. Come and see. Come and hear what this gospel is all about. So last question here. 
What are we going to be about and what will we always be about here at Promise? In Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, my favorite verses of the Bible, by the way. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Promise is keeping the focus on Jesus and will continue to do so, at least as long as I'm here. Is this always easy, by the way, to keep our focus on Jesus, even in the church? No, it isn't. You see, Satan doesn't want us to focus on Jesus. He doesn't want us to run this race that Jesus has already finished for us, by the way. He doesn't want us to keep our focus on that. He wants us to focus on all the stuff. He wants us to focus on the ways of the world and to get those ways of the world inside his church. No, you need to worry about money. You need to focus on this. You need to focus on that instead of focusing on Jesus. It's tough. But that's why we have the Holy Spirit. That's why we come back to church to re-energize, to refuel. Every time you read the Bible on your own, you are refueling. The Holy Spirit is using that to strengthen your faith so that when you're out in the world and you hear all the garbage that's out there, you can stand firm in the word that he's given us. You know, this is why I'm always talking about the crimson thread because when it dawned on me at the seminary how the Bible is connected into one. This is one narrative of events. And it's all connected by that thread, Jesus. And you know what? The threads don't end right here. The thread doesn't end at the end of the Bible. It continues to weave through me, through each and every one of you sitting here. It's all about Jesus and what he did for us. You know, a wise man once told me and this congregation, if you remember, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. That was my dad, and I called you a wise man, dad, and remember that when you're writing your will. <laughs> the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. I hope that is what you're hearing each and every week you come here. Last passage I wanted to share with you, Matthew chapter 16. Verses 15 through 18. Jesus has got his disciples and people are saying all kinds of things about Jesus. They're trying to figure out who he is. So Jesus has an alone time with his disciples. And Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus says he's going, he was going to build his church, not on Peter the man, 
but on the confession that Peter made when Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That's what the church is built on, this rock, that confession. And when we hear at promise, keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, proclaiming the gospel and keeping the crimson thread weaving through every single thing we do here, whether it be any kind of ministry, men's, women's, children, youth, no matter what we're doing here, there's nothing that can stop us. Not even the gates of hell can prevail against our doors. So what is the state of the church? You know, back in, I didn't read this part of that research study, they predicted that the Christian majority in the U.S. may disappear by 2070. Well, you know what? That's garbage. Because the state of Jesus Christ's church is doing just fine. In fact, it's doing very well. And we here at Promise are marching along, running that race, enduring, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. And when we are doing that, the gates of hell shall never stop us. Amen? Let's pray.